welcome to Major Choices, a podcast all about designing the career you want. I'm Rachel Gerber, a career coach at Indiana University who works with hundreds of college students each year, helping them to navigate their own major choices in life. In 20 minutes or less, we're going to discuss how to explore your options, learn about yourself, and start to head down a career path that feels right for you. So think of me as your personal career coach in your feed on the go. So welcome to episode 18. What's your life mix? In today's episode, we're going to talk about motivations and how to find deep satisfaction in our career life. And in the second half of our program, we're pulling back the curtain into the world of work in a segment called The Inside Scoop, where I interview a person who is doing the thing and we get a real look into their world of work, the best parts, the worst parts, and the unexpected parts. Today, Leah Bunger is with us to talk about her work as a mental health therapist and all the things you might not have thought about when owning your own practice. It's a great conversation. Thanks for tuning in. I have literally coached thousands of students and clients over the years, and it's interesting to see what questions pop up in regular intervals. So it didn't surprise me when I received a question like I did this week from Ari, because it is one that keeps surfacing, especially when we consider making major decisions in life. And it's also one that I've also asked myself numerous times about making decisions regarding creating both a meaningful and a sustainable life. Here's the question. Listen in. Hey, Rachel. I really want a career that is meaningful to me, but also, if I'm honest, makes me money. Can I have both? Thanks for taking my call. Ari, thanks so much for taking the time to ask your question. It's one that lots of people wonder about, and I know for sure I have asked from time to time as well. However, I do think that we generally set up this query as a false dichotomy. Is it all about money and we just have to like leave our souls behind? Or is it all about meaning and we just have to worry about scraping by in life? Instead, perhaps I think we need to ask ourselves a different question altogether, which is, what does a good and fulfilling work life look like for you? I think as we come up with answers to this broader question, what we're doing is we're actually identifying what we value, what matters to us, which invites us to consider how we're actually living out our life. Because we can say with our words, but sometimes our actions in our lives tell us different things, right? When our values or those things that matter to us aren't aligned, guess what? We experience stress, which can often come up as dissatisfaction or just feeling burnt out in work and life or both. So paying attention to what really matters is important to our overall health. But here's the thing. It's easy to find work that makes a lot of money. But just because you make a lot of money doesn't necessarily mean that your life is going to be filled with meaning. Studies have shown now that after a salary of $80,000 per year, the emotional well-being of your life isn't actually impacted as much. So I guess money can't buy love, or at least until after you make 80 hondo a year. Instead, it's time to get really honest with ourselves to come up with what is a work-life mix that feels coherent. These are suggestions from Bill Burnett and Dave Evans, authors and instructors in life design. And I think that they can really be helpful in getting to the core of your question. The first thing you need to start with is considering the why behind what you're doing. Why work in the first place? What's it for? What does work actually mean to you? What defines good or worthwhile work? 
And as you sit with these questions, I'm guessing that they will start to broaden your own awareness in your life. Bigger questions like, why am I here? What's my purpose? And your answers to these questions, the ones that only you can really give, is what becomes in essence your own life compass. You know, there's no right or wrong answers, but the reality is, is that 70% of people, according to Bill and Dave, are disengaged in work. And, you know, since COVID, I've heard that 41% of people have or are considering changing their jobs. Historians are now calling this the great resignation because this global pandemic has actually given people the space and time to reflect on their greater life and the work and what it all means. Regardless, the more that you find yourself in alignment with what you say you want and what you're actually doing, that's where happiness comes, the happier you're going to become in the long run. So one way to visually think about our alignment mix is to picture a soundboard. You know, those big boards that DJs or audio engineers have that control the sound mix. We're going to do the same here in this brief little exercise, but with our life. So if you have, go ahead and get a piece of paper out or just imagine with me and draw three rectangles. This is like your mini mix board here in front of you. Title the first rectangle economy or the financial gain in a position. The second rectangle is titled impact or the influence that you have in a position. And the third rectangle is titled expression or the creativity that's needed by you in your role. Each box has a decibel range from zero to 100. So draw a line up from each of the rectangles to represent that slide that goes up and down. And on the rectangle, I want you to mark your preferred level for each of your career. So try not to overthink this. Just go with your gut. But altogether, these three boxes need to add up to a total of 100. Now step back. What is your preferred mix? Is it 60, 20, 20? Figure it out. Depending on your particular seasons of life, you might have different, a slightly different mix, but this is your target. Are you leaning more heavily towards economy right now because you have student loans to pay off and impact and is taking a second position at this time? Or do you have the volume turned way up on creativity with little impact for the others? Here's the kicker. When considering, or if you have a current job right now or in the process of interviewing for one, how does it currently, your life line up with your preferred mix? Especially if you're feeling somewhat burnout or dissatisfied in work life, I bet your current mix levels look pretty different than what you actually really long for. Your next step is to brainstorm at least three ideas about steps that you can do to move that needle closer to your actual preferred mix in your real life. Because when we're feeling stuck, we have to resolve ourselves towards action, even small steps forward, which starts the momentum towards living the life that we actually want. So maybe your current job makes good money, but are you wanting more impact instead? And if so, could you volunteer on the weekends or somewhere that's meaningful for you or vice versa? If you're in a high impact role or one that you love, but it makes little money, what would starting a side gig or picking up a part-time job look like to add to that economy bucket? Sometimes, honestly, it's hard to find that perfect mix in one particular job. However, Thinking about your values and your career desires in terms of economy, impact, and creativity, that can be a concrete way to name and to get clear on more of what you do want. So we not only know how to adjust, but also how to go 
after what it is we're looking for to create a life that's both meaningful and sustainable. So the short answer to your question, Ari, is this. It's whatever you want it to be. I hope this helps. Thanks so much for your call. College is expensive. Want to learn more about money and personal finance? Check out IU Money Smarts, a free and confidential service for IU students. You can schedule a one-on-one appointment and talk to a team peer financial educator about budgeting, savings, credit cards, debt, student loans, and so much more. You know they say money is power. Take back the power by learning more about your financial future. Want to learn more? Visit moneysmarts.iu.edu. That's moneysmarts.iu.edu. Check it out today. In this segment on major choices, we are pulling back the curtain into the world of work. And in each episode, we've got a new guest on with us to share about all the things about their particular industry or field. And so today on the Inside Scoop, I am so excited to have with us my friend, Leah Bunger, who will be giving us the insider view about the career of therapy. So welcome to Major Choices, Leah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Good. Well, I am so happy that you're here to talk with us and our listeners about your work as a mental health therapist. Um, I've got lots of students coming into my office, sort of curious about this industry, wondering about, you know, what actually happens because oftentimes, unless you're in therapy yourself, you don't really have, you know, privy to information or be able to observe somebody, you know, because of confidentiality. So I'm really excited that you're here on Major Choices today to talk about what you do. Thank you. Yes. Um, Yeah, no, I would have loved to have something like this when I was thinking about going into therapy and learning a little bit more about it. So I'm happy to help anyone else in the same situation. Sweet. So as we get started here, tell us a little bit about how long have you been actually doing therapy and um, yeah, what was, and what was your sort of educational journey into it? Right. Okay. So I, um, I'm a licensed mental health counselor and a licensed school counselor in the state of Indiana. I have been doing counseling, um, for the past 15 years in a variety of different areas. Um, I, my educational experience is that I did my undergrad in, um, a psychology major at IU, and then I went straight into my master's Um, counseling um, master's program also through IU. Um, And then I started off doing school counseling. I did the school counselor track and recently made a shift into private practice. So I've had my own private practice for the last two years. All right. So as a private practice um, therapist, like what does your actual day-to-day work entail? Can you like sort of pull the curtain back and let us, sure. let us know what happens. Okay, perfect. So one of the um, major benefits of having my own private practice is the flexibility and schedule. So my day-to-day can look different um, depending on the day, depending on the week. And so if I have um, a lunch scheduled with a friend, I don't schedule a client then. If I need to pick up my kids early, I leave work early for the day. Um, So the freedom in scheduling is a huge perk. Um, But on the days that I am seeing clients, I will either be in my office seeing clients or now um, doing teletherapy. Teletherapy was always a thing. 
Um, but obviously with the pandemic, it was a necessity. It's something that I will always keep in my practice, um, especially a lot of the college students like it because of the convenience of it. Um, but what it looks like when I am in a session, it's a 50 minute session and I meet with individuals. Um, it could be a couple, it could be a family um, and really just hold space for what is on their minds, what is concerning them, what they wanna talk about. And that, can, that looks different um, for everyone. And so I um, use my own knowledge, my own training to help them process their feelings, to help them better understand themselves, better relate to other people, um, and just grow um, and hopefully towards growth and healing for themselves. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's um, a day-to-day. -day. Um, my day could also include some professional development, mm -hmm. um, and that could be listening to podcasts, that could be reading books. I love learning. I, you know, there's always new best practices coming out. My favorite beach reads are self-help help books. Uh -huh. um, I am, I love that stuff. And so it's always learning and growing in that way. Great. So you're continuing to develop yourself and your competencies as a therapist, and you're also working one-on-one -on -one or in small groups with people sort of helping them process your feelings. What is the actual like process of getting clients? Because I'm also... And I'm also assuming there's also an aspect of like some administration, like paperwork or mm -hmm. insurance or all that kind of stuff. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because I think, especially as in essence, you're, you're, you're self-employed, right? So you're yes. your own LLC, whatever. Um, yeah. What is that sort of pathway? Because there's, you know, um, I don't know, there, there's, is there a marketing element to what you do yes. to draw clients? Right. There, um, yeah, that's a, a really good point. There's a marketing element. There is basic business knowledge. Mm -hmm. When you have your own private practice, when you have your own business that you will need to do. Mm -hmm. And so for, again, for some people that's really appealing, the um, autonomy to be able to do that in your own way. Um, and then people who are not that interested in that, or that feels like a big burden, they may join an agency uh, uh -huh. or someone uh -huh. else is doing that for them. Um, and so I do not take insurance, um, but yes, insurance is a big piece. Um, but yeah, I mean, business sense, um, keeping up with my finances, um, keeping those things in order takes um, a chunk of time. And then marketing, it's always something to think about. And people market in different ways now. Um, I use Instagram. Um, people are using social media more and more. Um, I follow plenty of therapists on social media, on Instagram um, or Facebook, and um, to get good information. Um, a lot of people want to provide free information, mm -hmm. but it also grabs people um, in. And so um, marketing could also look like networking, word of mouth, mm -hmm. um, or through um, website design things like that. Sure. Yeah. I think that that's a really good point that you brought up about, you know, sort of the, the form and function or the structure that different people might thrive best in. Um, 
whereas in the the work of therapy might be the same depending on your own personality if you enjoy sort of that freedom to be completely autonomous you know mm-hmm. um maybe owning your own practice is going to be really as a self you know as as a as a business owner might also be really energizing but if if part of that um yeah if you get stressed at like where's my next client going to come from or if yeah. the the taxes and maybe the all of that other kind of business stuff feels overwhelming like you said you know maybe joining a, an established practice um mm-hmm. might be your better a better fit for you so that's that's really really helpful um because sometimes i don't think we we think about that we only think about the engaging in the relationships and talking with people so so what is it that you love most about your work oh that's a good question so i um everyone has a story doesn't matter where you're from, who you are. Um, everyone has a story that includes joy, sorrow, heartache, trauma. Um, and I just love creating a safe space for someone to open up about that. Um, where I, you know, we can talk with friends and family and have those supports but a lot of times we still censor ourselves in ways and we feel like maybe we can't fully share Um, and so therapy is that spot where there is no judgment where you can say anything I mean people talk about heartache they talk about sex they talk about marriage stuff I mean it is um you can lay it out there. And so I love um, having that space where someone can um, feel uncensored without judgment and um, talk about some of this hard stuff. Yeah, It energizes me. The work energizes me. I have found that I cannot not like someone when they share their story. There yeah. is a connection there. Mm-hmm. And what's, what would you say then on the flip side is the most challenging aspect of your work as a therapist? Um, so it is, it can be emotionally burdensome. You know, that's a flip side of mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is a need for self-care. Um, otherwise people do get burnout very quickly. You can um, take on so much that you don't have time, you don't have anything to give to friends and family. Um, And so you do have to be very careful about, uh, I have to be very careful about my own emotional health. And, um, you know, I've learned that even though I, you know, potentially could see a ton of clients, sometimes it's better for me to pull that back and um, limit it so that I can give my full attention to each client. And so it's fair for them. It's fair for me. Yeah. To keep that boundary. And I, I would assume, I don't know, but do they teach you within your training programs on like, how do you keep those boundaries? How do you find your own sort of refreshment and refilling? Like, is that a part of the process? Well, and um, I think it should be. Okay. Um, I, I do feel like they touch on that. It's really hard to gauge until uh-huh. you are out mm-hmm. on your own because everyone has such a different tolerance. I mean, I know some people that their full practice is seeing 10 people a week and some other people's full practice is seeing 35 uh-huh. a week. 
Um, and so it depends on what stage of life you're in. And so, and that can change over time. Right. So you're constantly evaluating. Yeah. Oh, that's a great, that's a great factor. And, and also about that flexibility that you said at the very beginning, you know what I mean? That, that within this, there is so much flexibility that you can kind of craft sort of what you need when you need it. So interesting. Yeah. So so a lot of our, our listeners here are just getting started in college and trying to figure out, you know, who they are, what pathway. So for somebody who's maybe considering going into the field of, of therapy, um, a few things here, what are, what are maybe sort of, what's their traditional, you know, means of being able to be a, a licensed therapist? I'm assuming there's a licensure right there. Like what is, what is sort of that? What's that pathway look like? And then we'll talk a little bit about what do you think are some key factors for somebody who, who might, you know, be a good fit for this, for this field. Sure. So what is, what does that pathway look like? So, um, a master's okay. would, a master's degree would be required to, um, then get licensed and, um, as far as private practice, I mean, people have an LMHC, they can have an LCSW, so social work versus um, counseling. And so there are still some options within that. Um, and some people come to their master's with a business undergrad. Um, uh -huh. Some people come with a psychology undergrad. And so it's, um, you know, there's again, variety there too. Um, but yeah, you have to, um, so my path was, um, though I, I have an LMHC and so I did a master's degree with 60, um, credit hours. Uh, there is an internship process, a practicum and internship process where you get, you know, your real life hands-on experience, mm -hmm. um, and gain your hours and then you can work towards licensure. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when someone's thinking about, Ooh, is this going to be a good fit for me? And like my personality and my interests, like, what do you think are some good um, key factors for somebody to, to consider if this would be a good um, pathway for them? Yes. Uh, so I think personality type is huge. Um, you know, someone who does really good work in this field is someone who's empathetic, compassionate, able to um, sit with hard things, um, not shy away from it, but want to dig into it, um, has an understanding of social systems um, and why um, people may struggle in certain ways. Uh, but a lot of people in this field want to help. You know, it's a helping field. And um, so there is that's a major component to it. That's great. So last question, Leah, um, what advice sort of do you have for someone just starting out or like, what do you wish you would have known when you were just sort of getting started yourself? Yes. Okay. So I think once we, you know, finish our master's degree, we think we should know it all. Uh -huh. We go uh -huh. into the field and we've quickly realized Oh, I don't. And I think imposter syndrome, I mean, can really creep up on us. And the thing is, we shouldn't know it all then. We gain knowledge by doing. And as a new therapist, you're going to say the wrong thing. You're going to do the wrong thing. We um, see in the media, 
you know, this curated um, what therapy should look like, and it's very smooth and all of this. And the reality is therapy is awkward sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think that can be hard and that can stop us and um, really kill some of our confidence. And we just have to keep going. The reality is that even the most seasoned therapists, it doesn't always go perfect. We are not perfect people. Oh man, that, that, that piece of advice can go through so (laughs) many different layers of life and no matter what field you're in. So I think that's such a great one, Leah. Thank you so much for, you know, it's like combating that imposter syndrome by just continuing to put your foot, you know, in front of the other and saying, you know what, I can learn from those mistakes and just continue to, to move forward because we're consistently you know, learning and growing and developing as human beings. So thank you so much, Leah, for joining Major Choices today. It was really, really great to have you here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Friends, thanks so much for joining us today on Major Choices, a podcast all about designing the career you want. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to Major Choices, rate us and leave a review. It really does help others seeking career advice to find us. As always, we hope that this conversation sparks something within you to reflect on as you design your own path ahead. These decisions can often weigh heavy, but remember you aren't alone. If you need help locating your career coach, you can contact us at iucareer at indiana.edu. Finally, in the timeless words of Socrates, an examined life is one worth living. Until next time, friends, be well.